All right, hey guys, welcome back to Lesson 11. We're digging into the Word of God, Genesis 23 and 24. And man, we've been doing this already for 11 days. What we've been studying is, and this is really fun for me, is that I'm going to go to the board here, is that we're studying the seed of the woman and how it started over here in Genesis 1 through 3, where the temptation came to Adam and Eve and the serpent, the seed of the serpent planted the seed of doubt, the seed of deception. But yet, praise the Lord, God gave us another option, which is the seed of the woman, the seed of Christ. And that that seed of the woman permeates then through Noah and then to his son Shem. And then it, it continues to go on to Abraham. And we know that in Genesis 12, and God says, I'm going to give you a whole lot. <laughs> and then he gives him a wife, Sarah. And then praise the Lord at the age of a hundred, they're, they're blessed with Isaac. And in all of this, he then starts wiping off this, these places that are not of the Lord. So Sodom and Gomorrah are gone, but he protects Abraham. He protects Lot. And then it just continues to build. And because of Abraham going through all these things and the wells and the covenant and all of these different things, God says, okay, I have more for you, but I want to see what you'll give up. And so in Genesis 22, we talked about yesterday about how God was, was testing Abraham to give up his one and only son, Isaac. And because of Abraham saying, I'm willing to give up my son, God says, good, now that I see your faith is real and legit, I'm going to continue this, this seed that's going to go through your, your family. And so as the family just continues to grow, we see that in Genesis 23, just remember, one of our emphasis is, uh, is to paint the complete portrait of the Messiah. And so we're not always going to cover every little jot and tittle, every little, uh, uh, you know, verse that might, we might cover normally if you're, if you're studying a certain topic. But we do know that, you know, in Genesis 23, Sarah, uh, she died at the age of 127. We know that in verse four, she was given a burial site and we know that it was a special one. And we talked about this. I don't know if you guys remember this last week. We talked about how Abraham, we know that he was, he, he was viewed as one of the kings because he was given a, a burial site as a king. And so in Genesis 23, verse 5, 4 and 5, the, one of the, the finest burial sites. And then in verse 11, uh, he's given a cave of Machpelah. And so for, it costs 400 shekels. But Kevin, not just the cave he was given, what else was he given? He got a field. Yep. Good old Kevin, our Minnesota, Iowa, North Dakota boy, whichever one you want to call him. Make sure you let him know that he was given a field as well. Kevin, they're dead. It doesn't matter. It's a lot of space. <laughs> so here's the point. Okay. There's a whole lot of like, Sarah is out of the picture, but Abraham is still in the picture in Genesis 24. Okay. So I'm just talking through the seed in what this looks like. So Kevin, if you would go to Genesis 24, verse one, Abraham was now old getting on in years, and the Lord had blessed him, I love this picture, in everything. That's a pretty powerful statement, this whole in everything. In other words, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, all of these things are beginning to come to fruition, but not all of them, okay? Because I want you to understand, a lot of people think, oh, Israel and Abraham, God's done with them. Let me just say this, God is not done with his promises in the Old Testament. I think it's the craziest thing when we go so far to say the church is now the new Israel and Israel has no future. You guys, there's so many prophetic words in the Old Testament that haven't come to fruition yet. And I want to just continue to unfold these. And it comes through the seed, specifically we're seeing through the seed of, of Abraham. And so how do you have Isaac? Now, Isaac has to carry on the seed. So here's a funny one. Okay, guys, not really meant to be funny. If you, if you know there's a seed, then you need a seed bearer. Anybody have in my intellectual crew out here? What What is a seed bearer? If you have a seed, what's a seed bearer? One that bears seed. One that bears seed. Mm-hmm. That's great, guys. Can somebody else break that down? A wife. It's called a wife. And so what I love is, in all seriousness, 
What you're going to see in Genesis 24 is they're going to go find a wife, a seed barrier, to carry the seed that can be passed on. Very practical, but I love how God is going to show us how he provided this process. So not just through the man, it's also through the woman. And so in verse 2, Abraham, in Genesis 24, verse 2, Abraham said to his servant, the elder of his household, who managed all he owned. Now, I'll just say this, Kevin, if you can, go to Genesis uh, 15, verse 2. We don't know officially who his servant is, but we have an idea. Maybe in Genesis 15, verse 2, we know that uh, it could be uh, Eleazar. Did I say that right, you think, guys? Eleazar? Eleazar. Sounds great. Eleazar. Yeah. Lord God, what can you give me since I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Verse 3 just continues on just so you know. Abraham continued, look, you've given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. So in verse 2 again, Eleazar could be this slave, this servant that he has and that he's referencing in Genesis 24, verse 2. So the elder of his household, it's a servant uh, who managed all he owned, place your hand under my thigh. Now, when I was in seminary, I remember we had to have this study and I just snickered because they said what this could mean. This is a super weird, again, no political correctness here. I'm just going to say what it means. It means that, uh, how do I say this? Well, I want you to put your hand under my crotch <laughs> or genitals or loins, right, guys? Did I, did I get all of the areas covered, I think? My point is this, like, it's super awkward. Now, you have to say, why? Why would in that culture, because it, it's not a homosexual act, it's not a gay act, it's not one of those things. It's actually, they think possibly, okay, I can't say this for sure, but it indicates a source of life. What he's about at, to ask Eliezer to do is to go find a wife for his son Isaac. I want you to put your hand under my thigh. He's not as graphic in this. Some of them it is. And I want you to put your hand under my thigh. And I want you, it says in verse 3, I want you to swear by the Lord, God of heaven and of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live. So you can just stay there for a second. In other words, this is the most crucial mission to have the seed continue. So I want to make sure you understand, Eliezer, or the servant, that what you're doing is that you're going to be a process of fulfilling the seed. And I want to make sure you understand. I got a little bit of conditions about where you find them and uh, who they are. And in fact, this is, this is probably the most crucial mission. To, uh, I can't think of an, a more important mission. I want you to go find a wife. And by the way, number one is don't select a wife from the Canaanites. Why? Why would that be important? You guys got any thoughts? It goes back to the sons of Noah. And, and Ham. Ham was cursed. Look at you, Kevin. Man, you are like, if we had grades, A. Boom. A. Boom. A for Kevin. Remember, uh, Ham is the father of Canaan. And we know, watch this, that Ham and Canaan, right, are going to serve as servants to Shem and Japheth. And so please don't find a wife that comes from that lineage. They don't fit into the, in the lineage of seed of the woman. They fit into the seed of the serpent. And so I want you to make sure, swear to me. Well, the Canaanites, you guys remember, they in, in Deuteronomy 7, it says they worship Baal and Asherah. So if you go find somebody that's in that area, they're not going to worship God. But we know that if you stay in our lineage, the seed of the woman, that Abraham's family is going to worship the Lord God Almighty. So number one is, just so we have on here, Eleazar's job or the servant, I should just start saying the servant, no wife, okay, from Canaan, okay? 
That's really important to know because why is that important to know? Because of the seed. We don't want the seed bearer to be a bearer that's holding the seed that, that believes in false gods. That's really important. Okay, so now watch this. As it continues on in, in number uh, verse four, excuse me, but we'll go to my land. So I want you to don't take somebody from, from the Canaan, land of Canaan. Uh, but I want you to go to my land and my family to take a wife from my son, Isaac. So number two condition, and this is kind of weird, but we want you to take it from, take this person from Abraham's family. You know, in our context, we're like, whoa, stay away from the whole family stuff, right? Stay away from the whole, like, you know, hills and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know if anybody else gets that, but in my head, that was that was super funny, actually. Uh, you know, like, don't get caught up in the whole incest stuff and all that stuff. Like, this is the seed of the woman. This is the lineage that we're talking about. I want you to take from Abraham's family. And, and I think, to me, this is a really important calling. And as it continues on, okay, you got to watch this. The servant said to him, okay, suppose the woman is unwilling to follow me to this land. Okay, so what if I go and I, I find a woman, but she's not willing to follow me? Uh, to this land. Should I have, should I have your son go back to the land you came from? Uh, that's a scary place to be. And in verse six, watch what he says. Abraham answered, make sure that you don't take my son back there. So the third condition is, okay, you guys, is that you, no woman from Canaan, take it from Abraham's family. And then number three, don't go back to Abram's former home. Don't go back to former home. Okay, so the servant has three, three conditions and qualifiers in order to find the seed bearer to help carry the seed to continue to carry on the seed of Christ. Do you think, you guys, like if he understood the magnitude, like, like this is a, mer- a very, very important mission. And oh, by the way, in verse 7 of Genesis 24, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, and from my native land, who spoke to me and swore to me, I'll give this land to your offspring. He will send his angel before you. And you can take a wife from my son from there. By the way, he says, I'm going to go ahead of you and prepare the way. So in every context, in every context, what you see is that God is always ahead of the curve. Always. Even though Adam and Eve sinned, guess what? God already had the seed of Christ ready to go. Even though, uh, you know, um, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, God knew what was going to happen with Ham, and he already knew that it was going to come through Shem. I think the point is, is that God is always going to trump uh, our inadequacies. He's always going to question or overcome our, our, uh, our, our, our lack of faith. And so he says, I'm going to send my angel ahead of you. And this is really fun to me, because then it continues on in verse 8. If the woman is unwilling to follow you, then you are free from this oath to me. But don't let my son go back there. In other words, I I like this because there's no skin in the game for this guy. He's got to just do his best. He's just got to go try it. And if it doesn't work, by the way, you are free from actually giving a report. But I do think this. Uh, I shouldn't say free from giving a report because I think the servant always has to give a report for what you do. I think all of us have to give an account or a report for what we do. And in fact, just to give you an understanding of this, go to Romans 14, verse 12, Kevin, if you would. Go to Romans 14, verse 12. And I love this because to me, whether we're the servants preparing the way for the wife, whether we're the servants preparing the way for Christ, Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. God is asking every single one of us to something. The question is, is are we actually being obedient 
to not finding the wives from Canaan, not finding or finding somebody from Abraham's family. You get my point. We all have assignments. The question is, are, are we quiet enough to hear and then will we, will we do this? In fact, if you would go to 1 John 2, 28. 1 John 2, 28 talks about another uh, mentality of as a servant, we are also to be held accountable for what we say. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I just think this is actually a foreshadow for us. I think the servant is a great, great picture about we're supposed to be obedient to what we're asked to do, but we, we can't like, we can't produce the outcome, but we're supposed to be accountable for what we've been asked to do. Hopefully, I think that's connecting in a sense that like, this is the mentality. This is the, 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 uh, the thought. So watch in verse nine. Here's where he puts it all together. So he hears what he's supposed to do. Genesis 24 verse nine says, so the servant placed his hand under his master, Abraham's thigh, swore an oath to him concerning this matter. And he says, I'm in. I'm going to do it. By the way, Abraham, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look for somebody that's not from Canaan. I'm going to look for somebody that's from your family. And oh, by the way, I'm not going to take your son back to your former home. I'm in, uh, for, for, former home. I'm in. I'm going to do this. And he says, all right. So watch this in verse 10. Instead of processing and talking about it, it says in verse 10, the servant took 10 of his master's camels and he departed with all kinds of his master's goods in his hand. Just so you guys know, camels, like, <laughs> have you guys ever ridden on a camel? Nope. Never. Nope. That went well then. Have you? I have in Israel. They're super uncomfortable. There's nothing fun about them. Um, but they're really, it's a sign of wealth. And so to have 10 camels, it's a lot. And so it says, and he set out a town, out for the town of Nahor, Aram uh, Naharim. Ooh, that sounded very Hebrew, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It says that he made, in verse 11, he made the camels kneel beside a well of water outside the town at evening. This was the time when the women went out to draw water. Okay, now watch this. This is kind of fun. In verse 12, the servant begins to pray. It's actually one of the very first prayers that we see in Scripture for very specific guidance in the Old Testament. And the servant says, Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, give me success today. (laughs) You know, I I actually have people that ask for prayer all the time that say, give me success. And then I always say, what what does that look like in this context? You're saying, God, make happen before me. Uh, God, I want to depend upon your providence. God, I know this isn't a chance. I know this is divine. God, I need you to show up. And so all these commentators just kind of put all of this together. The success is God showing up. And show kindness to my master, Abraham. This is cool to me. He prays for success and then he prays for kindness to his master, Abraham. Chesed, okay? Chesed in Hebrew, it it talks about this loyalty to current relationship. I want you to show loyalty to an already existing relationship to Abraham. That makes sense? He, I'm saying, I want you, God, to continue your loyalty to my master already through finding a seed bearer, a wife for Isaac. And in verse 13, the, the, the prayer continues. Um, and it, it's kind of cool to me. He, he says, I'm standing here at the spring where the daughters of the men of town are coming out to draw water. He's praying right now, you guys. He's praying and he says, I'm standing here. Go back, Kevin, if you would. He says, I'm standing here at the spring. So he actually, maybe he has his eyes open. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. We can't tell quite yet. Where the daughters of the men, they're they're coming in to draw water. And he has 10 camels. Okay, keep going in verse 14. Let the girl to whom I say, please lower your water jugs that I may drink. 
And who responds, drink and I'll water your camels also. Here's what I love about this prayer. He doesn't just say, God, give me the wife for Isaac and that give me the wife that's going to feed all of my camels. She just, he just says, Lord, now give me a, a water jug so that I can drink. Like, it's just like this little, um, simple prayer. And then that, that prayer though says, Oh, by the way, I'm going to bless you above and beyond. Let her be the one you've appointed for your servant, Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. You know why I love this prayer? This prayer is so not about the servant. It has everything to do about everybody else. And I love this because he has a, a, an understanding about what God is doing in this whole picture. So here's the process of his prayer. I, I'm going to erase this if that's okay, guys. So in his prayer life, okay, we know what he's looking for, right? Everybody got it? Okay, good. In his, in his prayer life, first of all, you know what he's doing? <laughs> he's praying. Something that you'll see in some of the patriarchs down the road in Genesis is that they're not praying. But here you have a servant of the master Abraham. He is praying. So first of all, I just got to encourage all of us that as you're on this journey of faith, please continue to pray. And so in order to prepare the way, first of all, he prayed. Okay, I think this is really cool to watch. And then second of all, this is Warren Wearsby. Remember my, my buddy back here who I don't know. Uh, he has these uh, commentaries back here. Uh, he just says that, first of all, we got to be praying. Second of all, ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And then third of all, he kept his eyes open. So as he's praying, his eyes are open. I love doing that because sometimes that freaks people out. Hey, are you praying or are you not praying? And then number four, while he's praying, okay, while he's praying, God actually answers his prayer. And so it says in Genesis 24, verse 15, before the servant had finished speaking, before he had finished speaking, there was Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, coming with a jug on her shoulder. <laughs> In verse 16, it says, and Moses describes Rebekah as being very beautiful, a young woman who had not known a man intimately. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up. And so here you have a, a young girl, the servant ran. It's okay, you can keep going. The servant ran to meet her. I, does anybody else think this is kind of funny? I think this is absolutely bizarre. He sees a beautiful woman. He's there with the intent to find a woman that will meet, mat, uh, meet the criteria for, for Isaac. And he runs to her. The only thing I can conclude is he knows in his heart this is probably her. And the Lord, it says the servant ran to meet her. He said, please let me have a little water from your jug. In verse 18, it continues. She replied, watch this. This is so cool. Remember how he prayed, you guys. Do you remember how he prayed? Prayed, Lord, just give me some water. She says, drink, my Lord. She quickly lowered her hand to her jug and gave him a drink. Stop right there. What should be the next response that we know that this is the lady? What should she say? Don't cheat. Don't look ahead. Let me water, let me water, your, water your camels. Let me water your camels. Watch in verse 19. This is pretty cool. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I also, I'll draw water for your camels until they have had enough to drink. Here you have a woman offers water and now, and now what? She offers to do the hard labor to bring about at least 250 gallons of water for 10 camels. Rebecca, you guys, she just came to give water and feed camels. In the smallest, uh, smallest way, God used that to honor her to become the seed bearer. And so I believe in all of my heart that when you guys, meaning me and you, when you walk out the smallest little details in life, you're honoring the Lord. And just sometimes God will take that 
and say, now I have more for you. And so in verse 20, I, I would have loved to have been uh, there for all of this. She quickly emptied her jug into the trough and hurried to the well again to draw water. And she drew water for all of his camels. <laughs> My first thought is, is the servant, is he just watching her work? <laughs> come on, you got it. Keep it going. Ten more buckets. I'm like, come on, guy, help out. But I think this is part of it. He, he needed to watch her do this. And in verse 21, this is how I know. Watch. While the man silently watched her to see whether or not the Lord had made his journey a success. He wanted to see if she's going to finish. He wanted to see if she was going to honor what she said. And then in verse 22, after the camels had finished drinking, the man, he took a gold ring weighing uh, half a shekel. And for her wrist, two bracelets weighing 10 shekels of gold, you know, roughly 10 ounces, 110 grams of gold. And, and he gave her an abundance. And he looks at her and he says, whose daughter are you? In verse 23, he asked, please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? In verse 24, she answered, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. You guys, Bethuel is Isaac's cousin. It's family. And the next thing you know, there's a qualifier, right? Remember, the whole family needs to come from the family. Uh, and then she also said, we have plenty of straw and feed and a place to spend the night. You know, I think to me, I think this, this woman, Rebecca, blew the servant away. I think she was better than what he could have ever imagined. And in fact, in verse 26, I know so, because then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord. The man saw that this was an answer to prayer. So what started as a prayer ends in a prayer. Now watch in verse 27. Look what he says. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not withheld his kindness and his faithfulness from my master. And as for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. God is answering prayers. Now, what's cool about the rest of the story in, in Genesis uh, 23 and 24 is that, you know what happens? Is that she goes back, he goes back, they tell the whole story, everything goes well, and what do you know? She's the one. But I want to just go here with, with the, the power of prayer for a second, because I think, I think there's something to this about the promise and how it fits into us. And if you would, Kevin, would you go to Mark 11, verse 24? You see, I saw the servant ask in prayer for help. I saw him keep his eyes open and I, I saw that God answered his prayers. And therefore I tell you all the things you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them and you will have them. If you want to radically change your community, start praying, God change the city. Start changing this country, start changing the state, whatever it is. But you got to start believing. And I believe the servant believed that there was a Rebecca out there. I believe that with all of my heart. That's why he walked into an answered prayer. First John 5, verse 14. First John 5, 14 through 15. Now, this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And watch in verse 15. And, and if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. The servant needed a seed bearer to carry the seed to keep the lineage going. And God answered through a servant, maybe named Eleazar. Psalm 66, verse 19. Let's try another one, Kevin, shall we? Psalm 66. I haven't been doing so well in the Psalms. Psalm 66, verse 19. Hey, praise the Lord. However, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. You know, that means that because God's listening, it means he's paying attention. You know what it means? It's because he's praying. It means we're praying. We have to start praying for more, Lord. Whatever that is in your life, I don't know. But in 1 Samuel uh, 
you don't have to go there, Kevin. First Samuel 1 27, this person prayed for the child and God showed up. Psalm 118, 21, for you answered me, Lord. And then Psalm 5 3, this is how I want to close this thing out with this. Psalm 5 3, uh, it's over one of our friends' kitchen sinks, and my wife just loves this verse. She sends this to me when I travel. At daybreak, Lord, you hear my voice. At daybreak, I plead. In the morning, Lord, I plead my case to you and I watch expectantly. Isn't that the image of, of Eleazar? He watched with expectation that God was going to show up and she showed up. This beautiful woman shows up and not only gives him water, but feeds the camels. And the next thing you know, she's willing to not just go back, but not go back to the other land, but to go back with, with the servant. And so to me, what you have is an incredible picture. And I didn't come up with any of these ideas, but you have a, an incredible picture of a father getting a bride ready for his son. Huh. Part of my role, my calling, is to get the bride ready. It's a really cool picture that I wish more people would embrace. But the servant was to go out and get ready, get the bride ready, because the son is waiting. If I could break up all of Genesis 24, I'm going to break it up into four little sections here. Warren Wearsby, he says, first of all, there has to be the will of the father to want this. So Abraham sent the servant out. Wearsby continues on, though, there has to be a, a witness of the servant to do this. It's a pretty cool image that the servant has to play a part of, of the will of the father. Wearsby continues and he says, but then there has to be a willingness of the bride. The father has to long for this. The servant has to walk it out, but the bride must be willing and then why? Because Wearsby says in Genesis 24, the end of the whole thing is, is that then they welcome the bridegroom. It's an incredible picture of a marriage, not just with Isaac and, and Rebecca, but also with the church in Christ. And I believe that what we see in the book of Genesis is, is this seed, this image that always points to the Messiah. The question is, is, are you the servant that's willing to prepare the way? Are you the bride that's ready? I don't know. I don't know that answer, but I think it's an incredible, incredible picture. Kevin, if you would go to Genesis 24, verse 60. Here's what happens to Rebecca. Because she was ready to go, they gave her a prophetic word that said, they blessed Rebecca, saying to her, our sister, may you become thousands upon ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Because Rebecca was ready and willing to respond to the servant, <laughs> the seed continues. Hence, you have Genesis 24. All right, y'all, thanks for jumping in. Uh, my prayer is that, you know, um, this might be really odd, a way to end, but I, just, I feel like I just need to say it. You know, there's a lot better um, teachers out there. There's a lot of people that will study this a whole lot more in depth. I actually believe you could find these messages um, anywhere on the internet. But I believe that God's doing something special with this series. And it has nothing to do with how we present it. It has everything to do with the Lord's hand is on this. And I believe that God is showing us a special picture to really get ready for, for Christ. I really believe this. That, and I'm going to say this again. This isn't false humility. I believe there are better teachers out there. I believe that you could find this and study this a lot better, maybe even for yourself, and that's our goal. 
What I really believe is that I want to paint a picture that he's coming back. And because he's coming back, as servants, will you help people get ready? And that's our goal with this thing, to paint a picture, a complete picture of the Messiah. And it starts in Genesis. So I'm just humbled that you would join us. I'm thankful that you would join us. And I know it's a long journey. You're on day 11. Day 11? Are we on day 11, you guys? That's a long haul, but the Lord wants us to go deeper. And I say thank you for doing that. Bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. 